Okay, if you could just give us a level check, that would be great. You know, the, like, sorry. Um, We're all tired. We're running on fumes. No, that's... Yeah, I covered it. So maybe I've, I've heard her voice, right? I don't know. Um, Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> Got it. Figured it out. Okay. I'm Elizabeth Beisel, two-time Olympic medalist, and I'm jumping the press rope to take you inside the Athletes' Village, one of the most interesting and exclusive places at the 2020 Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic Games. We'll have unfiltered conversations with Olympic athletes from the ground about the daily experiences that make up a majority of the athlete life at the Games. After all, it isn't all nail-biting pressure and medal ceremonies. This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit. You can hear us in the headphones okay? A little bit. Okay, we'll get started in three, two, one. It takes a strong body and a strong mind to achieve. With Nordatrack from iFit, we train both body and mind to empower you to be what you want. Work out with world-class trainers as they guide you through heart-pumping cardio, strength, and more. Train your mind as our experts guide you through mindfulness and meditation sessions. Be part of a community that is striving to be their best selves. Be what you want. Nordatrack from iFit. Use code IFIT to receive a free heart rate monitor with equipment purchase at Nordatrack.com. Okay. My name is Jordan Barrett. I'm 22 years old, and I will be competing in Olympic Skateboard Park. I've been competing in skateboarding for quite a long time now. I'm a two-times X Games medalist and uh, Vans Park Series winner. So, um, yeah. Jordan, you mentioned park skating. What is the difference between the two skateboard events that we're watching unfold in Tokyo? Yeah, so the difference between street and park is street is more like what you would see in the streets of like, you know, kids skating or something like stairs, rails, ledges, things like that, um, just brought to, you know, like a skate park. And then park or transition is... um, more like an empty swimming pool, like that type of thing, except there's a lot more to it nowadays. There's, you know, like different obstacles and features within the park, such as banks, hips, jump boxes, um, just different things like that. Each park is different um, and has different features to it. So um, that's basically the main differences. Yeah, that would transition. It's kind of the blending or rounding of vertical and horizontal surfaces. And that's how you create speed by pumping and not pushing. Could you explain that? Um, Yeah, so it's definitely like a big no to push inside of a park while skating versus like in a street, you push all the time. So, um, you know, to get speed and stuff, you pump and, um, you know, like with the the transition, you kind of like you know, pump with it. I don't even know how to explain really how it works, but, um, yeah, like to learn, like kind of going back and forth on like a mini ramp or a vert ramp or something like that. And like, kind of like figuring out like how to pump. That's basically how we get speed. Okay. That sounds pretty physical. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, um, you know, it's definitely a very athletic sport. Um, it might not really look at it, but once you're physically doing it, it's pretty exhausting. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, it works a lot of your muscles. It works, you know, your legs, your back, your hips, um, things like that. And, you know, especially when you're pumping around trying to go fast and do a bunch of tricks and 
in a contest staying on for 45 seconds or 40 seconds or whatever it is, doing the hardest tricks you, you want to do and land and keep the speed going, it's pretty exhausting. It definitely, you know, got to train for it physically. So tell us, how do you train? Like a lot of the time when we train, we do a lot of like injury prevention, which is a huge thing that I personally love. Um, You know, like, I don't know, I struggled when I was younger, when I was kind of like going through my teen years and like growing and stuff like that. I, I struggled with a lot of like, I still actually have it now, but like back pain or knee pain or things like that. And I never understood why. And as soon as I started training and like realized all I do is really skate and surf, which my body is kind of in the same positions both of those times, like my muscles were uneven and like would literally pull on my kneecap or something like that. Like, and it was really weird and I couldn't understand it. So training like that gets, you know, your, your muscles evened out and, um, you know, just physically ready and keeping you try to keep as much you can away from injury. Cause no one wants that, you know, I mean, it's I, the older I've gotten, I've kind of re- like when you're a kid, you kind of just want to like, all you want to do is skate and you have so much fun every single time every time it's really, you know, good and fun and whatever. And I've realized, you know, over the past couple of years that now that I'm getting a little older, it's not always like that. And I, I, it kind of took me a, a while to get used to that and um, to figure out why. And, you know, it's just, you're not a little kid anymore. That's kind of what I've come up with. Um, there's definitely, you know, lots of days that I'm, I don't want to skate. I don't want to go, you know, push myself. I just, I don't feel, you know, I'm not 100% there, whatever, I want to just go surf, I want to go ride my dirt bike, I want to go do whatever, you know, a normal 22-year-old kid wants to do, things like that, Um, but yeah, you know, it's also just the love of the sport, you got to keep pushing, you got to keep, keep it going, it might be hard at times, but you just got to keep going. This summer, Olympians and Paralympians are hosting live interactive experiences on Airbnb, Hang out with all-time greats and rising stars from all over the world. Get closer to the games with experiences live from Tokyo. Learn how to cultivate a winning attitude and more. Get to know athletes like never before through Airbnb experiences. Check it out at Airbnb.com. Support for this podcast comes from Facebook. The world of skateboarding is changing with more skaters than ever coming together on social platforms to do amazing new things. Like in Ghana, where Joshua O'Dampton created Ghana's first skate crew on WhatsApp, then teamed up with Sandy Alibo on Instagram and expanded it from a small community inspired by skaters abroad to a culture that now inspires skaters and fashionistas all over the world in return. We change the game when we find each other. To learn more about Joshua and Sandy's story, visit facebook.com slash change the game. wanting something and pushing through failure is a pretty big part of skateboarding, right? I I understand the process of learning new tricks is quite grueling. Yeah, I mean, um learning new tricks it could take it could take 6 months, it could take a week, it could take a day, you know, it's it's weird how that is. It's kind of just um, you know, it's a, a big part of it is mentally um just getting yourself over the fear of falling and slamming and things like that. And just telling yourself that you can do it and keep trying and trying again. And 
eventually it'll hopefully happen. You know, it's, it's definitely a very mental, mental sport and to, you know, uh, something that I've kind of always taken with me throughout life and throughout skating is fall down seven times and get up eight. Um, you know, and in skating, it's, that's a very physical thing of just keep, keep trying and you're going to, you're going to fall. Everyone's going to fall no matter what, but it's just keep getting back up and doing it again. And then you have to link those tricks into a sequence. How do you assemble a contest run? I've been doing contests for a while, so I'm kind of just sticking with the same algorithm that I do, like going to a normal contest. It's just this contest is, you know, a little different. It's the Olympics. So, um, but, you know, I don't want to get too in my head about it. I don't want to get too, you know, caught up with how big it really is. So I'm kind of just sticking with the same strategy that I would normally do in a normal contest. Um, And for me, that's, uh, you know, like we get to see photos and we get to see, you know, like the blueprints of the park or something like that beforehand. I personally am not a big fan of like sitting there and studying it and being like, okay, this is what I'm going to do when I'm going to get there. This will be my run, at least what I think it will be. Because every time I've tried to do that, it has failed. (laughs) Like I get there and I go to the park and it's so much different than what I thought it was, you know, from the photos. And, um, so it's kind of nothing has ever really worked out like that for me. So I kind of just look at it and see, you know, what types of features that I should be working on for myself personally, um, getting, you know, practice in on those types of walls or the ramp, whatever. And, um, once I get there, kind of roll around for a little while at the first practice or whatever, and kind of see where the park takes me and, um, kind of come up with a run from there. Have you seen the park course in Tokyo? Yeah, the park in Tokyo, it looks um, it looks pretty good. It looks very big, like way bigger than what we're used to competing in. Um, and I kind of like heard in, that, you know, like the Olympics, they wanted it to be, you know, like the biggest park that we would compete in. And, you know, like it's just going to be a little different. It'll be definitely, you know, like we're used to competing like the max size wall would be maybe like 11 foot. And from the photos and what I've kind of heard of people seeing, it looks like it's quite, quite a bit bigger than that, which um, I, I like bigger. So I'm excited for that. Uh, it'll be a little different, mix it up a little bit, which will be exciting. Is part of the excitement putting those puzzle pieces together, you know, of the course and your ability to make something unique? Yeah, that's definitely like a good way to put it. Like, um, yeah, just assembling a puzzle, trying to figure out which pieces go where and bringing it all together. Um, You know, this park in Japan, it looks very big in pretty much every sense, but just in like the square foot, like square, like the, sorry, just in the sense of like the square footage of the park, it looks big. Like it looks in the 40 or 45 seconds. I don't even know how much we're getting at this contest, but it looks like it's only going to be kind of like one time around or like one time of hitting a feature and that's it versus in a lot of like the other contests that we skate in, we can kind of like go back and forth and hit different things two to three times or whatever. So that'll be a big difference. I think just to kind of figure out, okay, what's the best trick to do at this specific wall? Cause I probably only get, we'll get one shot of hitting this wall. One shot at a feature. So pretty high stakes. And once you've got your run in your head, do you replay that in your mind? Yeah, that's definitely, um, visualization has definitely been a big part on, 
helping me do well in contests. You know, it's skating for me as, is as much mental as it is physical. Um, you know, I, I do these tricks. I skate every day. I know I can do them, but if my head is just a little off or a little at a different place or whatever, I'm not feeling great that day. Um, you know, like I will probably not land my run and it, and I totally could, you know, I physically can, but mentally I was just a little off. And so, yeah, sitting, you know, in a quiet space right before a contest and kind of sitting there and visualizing, listening to music, getting myself excited, that type of thing really helps me. So about getting excited, I think the skateboarders have some of the coolest national uniforms. And I was kind of wondering if these were going to be the first Olympic medals won while wearing jeans. Um, so it's actually kind of dope. We're wearing, um, like, that was one thing that I was kind of worried about going into, not worried, but just, like, wondering, curious, I guess, just what we were going to wear. And it's really cool. We actually, like, a month ago all met up and did, like, the Nationals announcement, like, the U.S. team announcement. And we got to pick our outfits and, like, our contest outfits and things like that. And I, I kind of thought, like, everyone's going to look the same, whatever. Um, but, like, at the end of the day when we were all, like, standing there, everyone looked like themselves. It was really cool to see. Like, we actually have a lot of options. Um, there's kind of, like, these basketball shorts that I don't really think many people will wear. They're, like, kind of thicker and, like, hot. They feel, felt really hot even though they were shorts. Um, there's a couple of different pairs of, like, chino pants. Um, there's a couple different pairs of, like, jogger pants type things. Um, there's, like, a, a, a one-piece suit thing that's, like, actually super dope. I don't think you could skate in it very well, but, like, sick to walk around in. So we've established park skateboarding is going to be physical. Making your run is this unique mental puzzle and then skateboarding also has this individual style component in fashion and movement. Yeah, I mean, um, I think a big person, or sorry, I think a big part of anyone's life, no matter what they're doing, is expressing themselves with what they're wearing. Um, and especially in skating, I feel like that kind of like you wear what you want to wear. Like it's it kind of shows like you're a skater. Like you know, you could kind of at least I can tell like someone walking down the street's a skater by what they're wearing and just having their own personal style and their unique self. Um, it's very important to me. And so, yeah, to have like, even though we have to wear uniforms, they're still like super dope and they're super, you know, you could mix, mix and match different things. And like, it all looks like yourself. It's cool. I'm excited to wear it. Well, we are absolutely loving watching you and all of the skateboarding athletes display their style and skills here in Tokyo. Best of luck heading forward. This podcast is presented by NordaTrack from iFit. Follow In the Village now on Apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening to get automatic downloads. And tune into the networks of NBC to catch every moment of the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games. The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast.
My name is Ed Knowles, and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Today, we have gold medals in artistic gymnastics, softball, canoe slalom, mountain bike, diving, dressage, fencing, judo, rowing, shooting, swimming, taekwondo, triathlon, and weightlifting. It's a packed day of action and a packed podcast as well. We've got two women from Team USA looking to bag a place on the podium in the notoriously unforgiving sport of triathlon, Taylor Nib and Summer Rappaport. Plus, what came first, diving or swimming? Malaysian diver Pandalela tells us about her somewhat surprising introduction to diving. But first... Few people whose confidence quite like reigning Olympic champion in the 100 meter breaststroke, Lily King. The American swimmer gave us a few tips on leveling up on your inner self-belief. What are some tips for, you know, like some people who, who want to get into that elite kind of mindset? Yeah, um, I, I really feel that like the, the mindset and kind of the mental side of racing is something that I have... I don't even want to say mastered because you can always be better. Um, but something that I have definitely taken advantage of more than a lot of my competitors do, I think. Um, because I, I've known from a young age that I can convince myself to swim faster and I can convince myself to beat the person next to me. And it is literally all in my head. So, um, and a lot of the time I just, I like to see if I can win the race before it starts. That's kind of, that's kind of the, mantra that I go by, like win the race before the race starts. Um, because I do, I do a lot of the time. And I, I know that if I'm swimming someone that's a really great, great swimmer, but they're not as tough as I am mentally, I can stare them down and they're going to freak out. Like, <laughs> and if you can just keep staring people down, if you know, that's going to freak them out, like they're scared of you, you should not be scared of your competitors. Your competitors should be scared of you. So, um, that's kind of, and that's kind of what I do. I just try to, I just try to scare the people next to me and it usually works. <laughs> you have to be really good for that to work. <laughs> I'd be very confident to do it. But um, if you have that confidence, go for it. Why not? I'm the first to say I am cocky, but like I can back it up. So <laughs> there's a reason I act like that. And it's because I can back it up and it's because of what I've done in the pool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and I think a lot of it goes back to if I was a guy, that conversation would never happen. If I was Michael Phelps, if I was Caleb Dressel, that conversation would never happen. But since I'm female and I speak my mind and I tell people what I think, that's coming off as me being brash and me being cocky instead of me being, oh, this supreme leader, swimmer person. Like that's, I think, honestly, I think that's a lot of the difference between being a male athlete and a female athlete. I remember uh, Missy Franklin once saying in an interview that we did, I was a teenage girl and I was practically naked in front of billions of people. Like, absolutely, I went through body image issues when I was growing up. You're uber confident, that's true. Yeah. sure. But <laughs> is, there, is there anything there that, that has, has upset you or is there something that, you know, you, you, could, you, you could share to not be? Yeah, um, I'm gonna be really honest. Like, I, I am a super confident person and I don't really care what people say about me. Like I genuinely don't. I know that like I'm if I'm at the swim meet, if I'm at the Olympics, like I'm in the best shape of my life and you can say that I'm fat and I don't care. Cuz I don't know you. Like I you know my like 
people tell me they get in better shape or lose weight or anything. And I'm like, okay, like I'm still the fastest, like who cares? Um, but that's me. I know I have like a lot of other people definitely have had body issues and that is very normal. But for me and my wacky brain, I really haven't. So <laughs> we're back at the Olympic aquatic stadium in Rio where the swimming enters the third session of finals. The queen of the 100 breaststroke, an Olympic record. She talked the talk and she walked the walk. Take us back, like, what was it like in, in Rio? And pick, pick a few bits that you really enjoyed. I mean, my race was, like, obviously very exciting for me and all that stuff. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like, there were just so many other races during the week that, like, I know when I was racing, it just felt like a swim meet. But when I was watching my teammates race, it felt like the Olympics. So I was actually sitting in the stands with my parents for um, Simone Manuel's Hunter Freestyle. It's a dead heat. Dead heat. Oh my goodness. We have dual Olympic champions in the 100 freestyle. Oh my goodness. And she's one of my best friends. So like it was, it, it was just a really incredible moment. That one I remember was, I was, I was definitely crying after that one. Um, <laughs> I would, I would cry for other people's races, but not my own. Um, and then Maya Dorado's 200 backstroke where she upset Katinka. It was like... Hoshu the Iron Lady, Hoshu Dorado. I just had a feeling when she walked out for that race, like she was going to win. And everybody was kind of looking around like, what's Maya going to do? Like, it's probably another silver. And I just had this weird feeling that she was going to win. And sure enough, um, and I was standing next to her coach watching that race, which was funny just to watch him <laughs> watch her swim the race because obviously he was a lot more stressed out than. And, and since Rio, I mean, you've every more reason to be cocky because you've been even more dominant. How on earth do you keep that level of consistency over such a, like a, a long period of time? Yeah, it's definitely hard to stay motivated at times because I'll come to practice and I'm like, well, like, I already did this. I already, I already set a world record. I already won the Olympics. Like what, you know, like what's next? Like nothing at this point, nothing is new for me. Um, cause I've done it, which is great. I'm very happy that I've done it, but it's, it is hard staying motivated when it's, um, like, okay, it's time to like, I just have to repeat everything that I've done. Um, but honestly, it all comes down to the fact that I really just hate to lose. Um, I am genuinely embarrassed when I lose. Um, and I will do anything to keep from having that embarrassment on my shoulders. So um, that's that's honestly what probably pushes me the most. Challenge time. I basically, I found these um, animal noises on the internet. Okay. And, and I thought, I'm gonna ask Lily King what animals she thinks best describes some of her teammates. Ooh, okay, that's a good one. Katie Ledecky. Katie, okay, Katie has to be something, this is gonna be a thought process for me. Yeah, Katie not in the pool is probably a sloth. Mm. I'm not kidding. Katie in the pool is, I don't know, like a cheetah or something super fast. <laughs> but on land, love the girl to death. Slowest mover I've ever seen. I'll, I'll say, Katie, you're charging. You're just charging for your race. <laughs> Simone Manuel. Ooh, Simone. I think Simone's like a lion, definitely, because she's definitely in charge. If anyone's ever met Simone, Simone is in charge. And then Kathleen Baker. I think Baker's kind of a giraffe. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> Love giraffes. 
Cody Miller, I have to include Cody because he's my best friend. We have discussed this several times. <laughs> he is a meerkat. <laughs> Lily, what a, it's been a really fun time. I feel enlightened and I feel like I've learned some good mental techniques. Like I feel more confident. I'm going to be more confident. Good. You should be. Why not? Olympic Channel Podcast. Lily is in action in the 100 meter breaststroke final later today. It's a terrifying sound and it's fair to say that the triathletes have a very early start. A 6.30 a.m. race start. Start! Taylor Nib is the youngest woman to ever qualify for the US Olympic triathlon team. The early start though is not the only worry for Taylor. In triathlon, there's a lot out of your control. So like anything could happen. You could be the best person on the day, but if you get a flat tire or a mechanical, that's not gonna play out as well as you would have hoped. Um, so I'm trying to, so first of all, I'm trying to do a little bit of early morning training just so that my body's ready to go at 6.30 a.m. for the race. But at the same time, I know that 3.30 p.m. local time in Boulder is the same time as 6.30 a.m. there. So if my body doesn't completely acclimate, it's not the worst thing in the world because it's not like I'll be racing at 2.30 a.m. my body time. It The latest it would be would be 8.30 based on the five days in an hour changing time zones. Um, so just, but just being ready to go at any time of the day. I had a swim coach actually in like high school and he would, we have 4.30 a.m. practice. And sometimes we'd have to do like starts, like from the start of practice. And he's like, if you can do a good start at 4.30 a.m., you can do a good start any time of day. Yeah, I feel really ready. I feel like I was able to make some gains during the down year. Five-time ITU World Triathlon Series medalist Summer Rappenport was the first woman to qualify for the U.S. team. So I'm hoping that the extra year will help me going into the games. But it definitely feels good to like finally be in this block after so long. Because it's like last year is like... We started our Tokyo build, but it was like a two-month build. And then it was just like, it just like screeched to a grinding halt. Like, I guess the world did for everyone. It's a fast turnaround for the athletes as well, because Tokyo 2020 sees the first mixed relay competition, which takes place on Saturday, July 31st. Here's Summer again. Yeah, I'm really excited about the inclusion of the mixed relay in Tokyo. I've done uh, two mixed relays at the um, World Triathlon Series level. And it's been some of the most fun that I've had in a competition. It just feels so good to line up for the team. And um, I've been on the podium in both of those events with Team USA. But, and I've also had five individual World Triathlon Series podiums. And it just feels so much more special to be standing on the podium with the team, like knowing that you work to achieve something as a team. Um, as somebody who did collegiate sports, it was kind of hard for me when I first got into triathlon, just competing for myself. Cause you know, when you're with a team, you always kind of have that higher purpose that you're working towards um, a little bit of external motivation. And I feel like that's an environment that I really thrived in. So it's really nice to have that um, now moving into Tokyo. Olympic Channel Podcast. Right, just before we go, it's the women's 10-meter synchro in the diving today. And Pandalela Rinong of Malaysia has a bronze and silver Olympic medal from the past two Olympic Games. Widely recognized as one of the best divers of the past decade, 
You might be surprised though by the story behind Pandalela's first diving lesson. The first jump made me feel excited as I was the only one who dared to jump from the uh, one meter and also the three meter platform. Yeah, surprisingly, uh, at the time I didn't know how to swim yet. So basically, the coach just wait waiting for me <laughs> uh, uh, at, in the water and then uh, prepared to grab me <laughs> after I jump in. It's, I feel like a sense of accomplishment after every jump because the rest of the uh, the rest of the students, there no one dare to jump from that three meter. It's not the usual way to learn how to dive. Dive first, learn how to swim later. <laughs> true, true. Amazing story. I had such a wonderful, wonderful time speaking to Panda Layla. Link to the full episode, which I highly recommend, in the show notes. Don't forget to jump on our blog. It's happening every single day. It's over at olympics.com. Stay safe, stronger together. I'll see you again tomorrow. Think like an Olympian. After failing to medal on the first day of a Summer Olympics for the first time since 1972, the United States has secured its first hardware from Tokyo. Huge relief for Kalis, realizing he was the Olympic champion. American teammate Jay Litherland came second. Brendan Smith was third. Team USA finished Rio holding 121 medals, almost double the 67 of the runner-up nation China. In summer games of the modern era, the Stars and Stripes stand even further ahead, with over 2,500 to the Soviet Union's 1,122. So if recent history is any indicator, there is a true foundry's worth of metal coming our way. We wanted to talk to those who uncorked the bottle, some of the first U.S. medalists, to see how this year's vintage tastes. There's always something to improve, and I, I could probably pick apart today's race and still find something. We talked about it like three years before, like, yo, we're getting one, two, we're gonna do it. From NBC Sports, this is The Podium, a podcast about the Tokyo Olympic Games. Coming to you daily during the Games, we'll bring you the stories shaping the greatest athletic competition in all the world, held in extraordinary times. This podcast is presented by NordaTrack from iFit. It takes a strong body and a strong mind to achieve. With NordaTrack from iFit, we train both body and mind to empower you to be what you want. Work out with world-class trainers as they guide you through heart-pumping cardio, strength, and more. Train your mind as our experts guide you through mindfulness and meditation sessions. Be part of a community that is striving to be their best selves. Be what you want. NordaTrack from iFit. Use code IFIT to receive a free heart rate monitor with equipment purchase at nordatrack.com. There's your gold medalist, won silver back in Rio, and so he wanted that gold badly. He got it. Jay Litherland got silver. So 1 2 in the 400 IM. Hi, my name is Jay Litherland, and I'm uncorking the medal count.
Jay, congratulations. You won a silver medal in the 400-meter individual swimming medley. And by doing so, you opened up the U.S. medal count. Well, actually, your teammate, Chase Kalish, opened up the medal count 86 hundredths of a second earlier with a gold. How about that? How have the last five hours of your life been now that you're an Olympic medalist? It's been the same for the most part. (laughs) No, it's been a pretty crazy ride. I'm sure it has been. Tell us about the moments right before the race, if you can even remember them after the turn your day took. So from the ready room, I was nervous, getting ready for the race, trying to wake up because it was morning here because I'm having finals at night. And then the race, I kind of just went with the motion and came out. Just a crazy ride, yeah. It's kind of a homecoming of sorts for you. You were born in Japan. I'm sure this is a a Japanese visit unlike any other. What's it like as an Olympic athlete in a city you know as a civilian? Um, Yeah, it's been, I mean, I think USA has been done a great job um, kind of managing everything and uh, making us comfortable with uh, having good food and the safety regulations and everything. But um it's been good. The food's been good. The village food's really good. The rooming situation and everything is super, super nice. Everyone talks about the food. Tokyo, obviously known as a culinary city with the most Michelin stars on earth. Are you missing some of your Japanese favorites to fuel you up pre-race? It's pretty much like the same stuff because they have um, like Japanese, a Japanese section and they, they load up like gyoza is like one of them. I've been loaded on that um, curry rice. That's dope. It's all about the food and the success, right? The medals. You won right after your friend Chase. What's it like to share that with him? Oh, man. I mean, it's such a surreal moment. We um, we talked about it like three years before. Like, yo, we're getting one, two. We're going to do it. And like now that we're actually here and in this moment, it's just such a unbelievable feeling. You visualized it, and look at you now. Chase continues competing, right? But you're done? Yes, I am done. So you're one for one. You're batting 100. Amazing batting average, right? How are you going to celebrate? <laughs> I, mean, I think in the village, just, just pig out, have some ice cream and some, some uh, Coke. You can have all the goodies, your teammates, though. They're going to be watching you, and they're still competing. Are they going to be okay with it? Don't tempt them and jeopardize any medals. Yeah, I gotta hide. I gotta hide in the corner. <laughs> well, congratulations. We'll let you go. I'm sure you have much more press to do. But as one of the athletes starting off the medal count, leave us with something that we don't know about you. I'm a triplet. Me and my brothers make uh, music. <laughs> uh, Spotify. It's called Trips with Three Eyes. Multi-talented, Jay. Pretty darn cool. What you're living right now is kind of a trip, right? Enjoy it, and congratulations. We'll play you out on your music. All right, thank you so much. The sound of newly minted Olympic medalist Jay Litherland and his brothers Mick and Kevin. Let the media party begin. This summer, Olympians and Paralympians are hosting live interactive experiences on Airbnb. Hang out with all-time greats and rising stars from all over the world. 
Get closer to the games with experiences live from Tokyo. Learn how to cultivate a winning attitude and more. Get to know athletes like never before through Airbnb experiences. Check it out at airbnb.com. Support for this podcast comes from Facebook. The world of skateboarding is changing with more skaters than ever coming together on social platforms to do amazing new things. Like in Ghana, where Joshua O'Dampton created Ghana's first skate crew on WhatsApp, then teamed up with Sandy Alibo on Instagram and expanded it from a small community inspired by skaters abroad to a culture that now inspires skaters and fashionistas all over the world in return. We change the game when we find each other. To learn more about Joshua and Sandy's story, visit facebook.com slash change the game. medal for Hallie Flickinger of the United States, silver for her fellow American Emma Wayant, and a memorable gold well, There medal. she is, 19-year-old Emma Wyant from Sarasota, Florida. And these teenagers think their time is now. And when you make it- Emma, your first games, first medal, congratulations. Take us through your last 24 hours. Thank you. Um, honestly, it's been kind of a whirlwind. It's still kind of surreal to me. Um, you know, starting off prelims last night, I wanted to set myself up well for this morning. Um, and, you know, get to compete with all the best in the world uh, this morning in the final um, and compete for a medal for Team USA because obviously the goal is always to contribute to the medal count. Um, and, you know, touching the wall and realizing that I actually had a medal at the Olympics is kind of crazy. Um, you know, it still doesn't feel real to me. Um, I'm just super excited. I'm super excited to be here um, and be with my teammates. Your teammates are a truly amazing group of swimmers, and you even shared the podium with one in Haley Flickinger. She's 27, second oldest to medal in the event. You're 19 years old. Are the teenagers all rooming together to make sure they don't bother the old folk? What's that dynamic like? Yeah, um, my suite is with Alex Walsh, Regan Smith, Erica Sullivan, Kate Douglas, and Phoebe Bacon. So we pretty much got all the teenagers in one. Um, which is really cool. Um, we've known each other for a long time, and obviously we're super excited to represent Team USA for the first time at this stage. Um, and it's just been a lot of fun. You spent the pandemic year working with your coach, Brent Arkey, in Sarasota. Tell us about what led up to this result. Um, so I've been working with Brent for about six years now. Um, I started working with him at the end of middle school, so it's been a long journey between the two of us. Um, and, you know, I would never have been here or anywhere close to here without him. Um, I've really enjoyed working with him throughout the process and he's really meant everything to me um, and he really pushed me to realize that this could be a goal Um, and he got to be at our training camp in Hawaii and then you know he went back home to Sarasota um, but you know I know he had the confidence in me that I would be okay here without him Um, and you know I'm just really excited to talk to him again Um, and I know this medal um, really means everything to the both of us. I'm sure it does. What were you thinking as you stood on the block? What was going through your mind? Yeah, that was that was a crazy moment. And getting to stand there with Haley uh, was really cool. Um, and I'm so glad I was able to do that with her. Um, and, you know, we followed Chase and Jay right after us in our 4 jam. Um, and I think that got us really excited. Um, 
and we looked at each other we're like okay like now it's our turn we want to be up there too yeah but the 400 im isn't exactly the event everyone wants to do it's so grueling do you take pride in reaching the podium and perhaps the hardest swimming event there is um, you know, I think I've said a couple times that the Fortnite was fun, which I get a couple weird looks for sometimes. Um, but you know, I, I do think this event is a lot of fun to train for because there's so many moving parts and, you know, there's always something to improve. And I, I could probably pick apart today's race and still find some things. Um, but you know, I think that this event really just, uh, can get better through the years. I'm listening to you, Emma, and I'm wondering what the future looks like for you. More swimming? I am the cheerleader for Team USA the rest of this week. Um, You know, I'm super excited that I still get to be here um, and watch the rest of my teammates kill it this week and then go home to Sarasota and see my sisters and my family, um, be with my teammates um, before I go off to college. So I'm super excited. You have a lot to be excited about. What about right now, tonight, Emma? Um, I mean, we got another prelim session tonight uh, to go back to the pool and watch. Um, but you know, I think I, I still have to like soak it all in. Um, I haven't really gotten to my phone that much today, um, to get back to everyone. Um, you know, I called my mom, uh, but other than that, I just kind of want to get to talk to everyone who's really, uh, helped me throughout this process. Emma, every conversation I have with athletes after a successful day at the Olympics, they all without fail talk about what they're going to eat. What about a celebratory snack? You know, I I eat chocolate every day, and I think that's my sweetmates know that's normal for me. But you know, I think I can eat it tonight without getting um, any hate for it. I'll say you earned it. And now that you're a full time cheerleader, are you planning any fun bus or plane activities? Maybe a, I don't know, call me maybe karaoke sequel. That was fun. Um, you know, there's a couple of us that finished today, so we're gonna have to get together and come up with something because. You know, I remember seeing that um, and wanting to be a part of that. I thought that was the coolest thing. Well, we can't wait to see it. And thanks in part to you. We don't have to wait to continue the medal count. You have a new title to your name, Emma. Let's hear it. Okay. I'm Emma Wyant, and I just became a medalist for Team USA. It has a ring to it. Awesome. Enjoy the chocolate and the silver. Thank you so much. As we've explored in our weekly episodes of The Podium, becoming the kind of athlete that wins Olympic medals is quite a journey. What happens right after you win one can also be a wild ride of ceremonies, press attention, and a deluge of congratulations. Thanks to these athletes in the pool, the first Americans in Tokyo to wear that oh-so-coveted ribbon around their necks, the floor is now open. Follow the podium now on Apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening to get automatic downloads and tune into the networks of NBC to watch it all unfold. This podcast is presented by NordaTrack from iFit.